Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, a live recording of the Confluence Cast from the Columbus Podcast Festival. I sat down with Mikey Sorbero of Mikey's Late Night Slice fame for a casual conversation about how to start a business, the virtues or lack thereof of owning a food truck, and why, if you want to start something, the best time is now and the best place is Columbus. One editorial note, uh, today's episode is slightly more explicit than normal. Nothing crazy, just some curse words. And it is not as highly produced as normal. So, sorry about that. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Kepri, a full-service web and mobile development company specializing in design and programming services. Defined through skill and innovation, Kepri works with their clients to create user-centric, technology-based products that innovate. Kepri provides complete technology solutions with a solid strategy to meet your goals and grow your brand. See examples of their work and explore what Kepri can do for you at Kepri.com. Enjoy the interview. For those of you who don't know, the podcast you're about to see is called The Confluence Cast, a podcast produced by the Columbus Underground, hosted by Tim Fulton. Really good podcast to know about the scene, uh, about Columbus in, in general. And his guest tonight is Mikey Sabaro. So guys, it is my pleasure to introduce host of The Confluence Cast, Tim Fulton, and his guest, Mikey Sabaro. Give it up for him, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting down uh, with Mikey Sabaro of Mikey's Late Night Slice. Mike, how are you? Oh, uh, well, uh, excited to be here and uh, feeling great. It's good to have you. Yeah. How'd you start a pizza shop? Wow, getting right into it. Let's do it. I wanted to start with the fact that you told me just moments ago that I was not your first choice. <laughs> On the occasion of doing the Columbus Podcast Festival, I thought, what, what would be a draw? Is anyone in the audience familiar with the name Zachary Allen Starkey? That person was enthusiastic. Uh, rather enthusiastic. Zach and I grew up together, and I had invited Zach to do it because Zach very publicly left Columbus, and I literally reached out to him and said, I'm doing this podcast festival. I will pay for you to come in. Not a flight. Not a flight. I said from the first <laughs> ask, I will pay for the Chinatown bus <laughs> for you to come into Columbus to do this thing. And then I found out we only got half an hour, and... Here I am. <laughs> uh, Tim, I'll always, be your, I'll always be your number two. <laughs> always. 
How'd you start a pizza shop? And let's get to the bones of this conversation. Let's see what I cut out of this. So uh, I know uh, a lot of people have probably heard how I started a pizza shop in Columbus. So uh, we'll go through the uh, extremely fast Reader's Digest version. Uh, I owned a pedicab company uh, for a couple years. Being on the pedicab, you kept hearing a lot of people on the back of the cab going, where's the pizza by the slice? Where's the pizza by the slice? I thought, where is the pizza by the slice in this, in this area of the short north of Columbus? where we're at, so I had this little shack downstairs from the apartment that I was living in. I asked my landlord if I could rent it. He said, knock yourself out. Got the help department in there. They said, I don't think you should even stand in this thing, let alone serve food out of it, but as long as you have a three-compartment sink and a, and, a, and a hand sink and some other stuff that you can open a piece of If you can check off these boxes, you can do it. Yeah, if you can right. do it. These couple things, uh, you can do it. And uh, Late Night Slice very, very quietly opened in uh, July 4th weekend of 2009. And the reason it was very, very quiet is because we didn't have our uh, health license at the time. Because that night, no shit, that night I called uh, the health, or that day, I guess, and I was like, hey, we're ready to open. Come out and check us out. And the health department Sir, was like... Sir, that takes weeks. Uh, yeah, well, I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> and, they were, and they were like, uh, we're a little backed up. It'll be five weeks. I hung up the phone, and we opened that night. <laughs> well, and that's a, a decision out of necessity, right? Like, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I had no money, right? Right. Uh, yeah. That's I, where I, 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 I put all this dollar. money assuming that the moment I'm ready, I get to sell pizza and, and can do it. Yeah. And I think we'll talk a little bit about the Columbus sort of infrastructure for th those things happening, or maybe we won't even get to it because I'm on a finite amount of time. Let's hope. How'd you start the uh, pedicab company? So I traveled a ton throughout my 20s, and I was out in Vegas. I, was, I went out there for like a couple months. I ended up staying there for like a year and four months, and on a vacation from my vacation on, on to San Diego into the Gaslamp District, if anybody's ever been out there, uh, they have these pedicabs, and I saw those, and I was like, man, these things would be great in the short north. And I knew I was moving back to Columbus. It's a really weird thing. Those of you have, that have traveled out of Columbus, that have moved away, Columbus has this really weird way of drawing you back. It really does. And I knew that I was coming back to Columbus because I missed friends, I missed family, whatever. And I knew pedicabs, would, they would just work here. So I got obsessed. I, you figured it out I, how to it do was, it. I, yeah, it was bike taxis. You know, It was a very low risk. Low attempt, invest, yeah. low, low, low investment, capital investment. Low risk, exactly. Just to give a little bit of background, you went to Ohio State. Funny story about occasionally, how you, yes. You, you went to Ohio State. You had dropped out. Uh, before that, you grew up in uh, Cuyahoga Falls. That that is a very that is a very good thing. I am a college dropout. Yes. C congratulations. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> you and Bill Gates. <laughs> Just a side note that I wanted to mention, I don't want to delve into it, but it, it's funny how it seems that a lot of sort of bastions that Columbus holds up tend to be people that this is not a discrediting of you, but a lot of people who are really fucking good at things simply find other ideas other places. I hope that Columbus has the opportunity to find good ideas itself. If you want to get into a conversation about the merits of higher education, this is probably not the place. That's but fair. everyone in this could probably have a half an hour conversation on it. Eh, you know what? It's, it's, it's one of those things. You see an idea and you go for it. And the way I did it is it was very low cost, very low risk. You know, So I didn't go out and spend $300,000 on a restaurant. 
I think I opened Late Night Slice for like five grand. And I didn't have five grand to do it. I rode my giant tricycle throughout the short north. And after a week of doing that, I had, uh, you know, 800 bucks to buy a pizza oven. And the next week I'd have, you know, four or 500 or $1,000 to buy a couple of refrigerators. And after, you know, five or six weeks of doing this, it was like, all right, cool, we got a pizza shop set up. But Who you knows how to make pizza? <laughs> but you moved back to Columbus with the intention of setting up the pedicab business. Uh, yeah, yeah, in 2007, or in 2008, rather, yeah. Okay, and so you were brought back simply by the people. You, you knew that you, this could work here, and this is what you wanted to do. What were you doing before that that gave you the idea to start a business? Uh, well, what, was, <laughs> what I was doing before that and what gave me the idea to start a business are two wholly different things and okay. two really hilarious stories. <laughs> Pick one. I will say... Let's do starting a business first. All right, let's go starting business first. I had no idea how to start a business. I did not have any intent in starting a business. All I thought was the pedicabs, I think this will work. I'll figure the rest out later. People keep asking for pizza. Let's try this. I'll figure the rest out Because you even saw from afar, short north, up-and-coming neighborhood, this, is, this can work in this neighborhood. Totally, totally. Okay. Yeah, if it was working elsewhere, why wouldn't it work here? You know, I mean, if there, if there's, if these aren't like groundbreaking things here. It was, it was pizza by the slice in a busy bar district. Uh, I'm not reinventing shit here. <laughs> you know. Okay. You want to just close the chapter on that? I mean, we can. I mean, I can, I can dig deeper. Um, Let's. <laughs> how much market research? <laughs> Tim, it's fucking busy. <laughs> market research. Uh, I'm in a new market. This is working here. I think it'll work elsewhere. <laughs> like, it'll work at home. Answer the other question, then. What were you doing before the pedicab business? All right, the, 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 the fun question here. All right, so I was working. I spent the better part of my 20s working in gentlemen's clubs. I was, hence this chocolatey silk voice, a DJ at many men's clubs. And I was a corporate trainer, hence taking me all around the country, opening up gentlemen's clubs all over the country. So that took me all around the country. It let me see a lot of things that were working elsewhere in the country. And, you know, some of those things ended up coming back here. Let me ask you first, were you doing that to... Why were you... You're in your 20s, so you don't have to have an answer to yeah, this. Yeah, no. Were you, it's, were you doing it's really this? Crazy. You're a like, this working... is a fucking fun thing to do. I get to see titties all the time. I was and... going to say, yeah, a, a guy in his mid-20s working in titty bars, Tim. It's, it's not a hard sell. My other follow-up to that is my stripper name is Bambi. I'm really good at pole dancing, and my favorite artist is Akon. Go. All right, gentlemen, let's make some noise out there, gang. Let's get crazy. Coming up to the stage right now, the beautiful Bambi. Stepping up for you right now. Let's make some noise out there. Columbus Podcast Festival. So I also want to point out a very small point that he just brought up. He was a trainer. And so you are the reason that everybody sounds that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as far as shit mountain goes, I was on top of it. So, <laughs> to be clear... There, are, there is some process you were doing some training on, but you were literally coaching strip club DJs on how to do introductions for strippers. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah all, all over the country. I'm not making that shit up. I promise I'm not. I wish I was. I am not. Fast forward a little bit. <laughs> I asked why you started a pizza company. How did you start a pizza company? 
how was okay? So it was it was it was all piece by piece, like I mentioned earlier. It was like, all right, we got an oven, we got a refrigerator, we got a prep table, we got all this stuff. All right, who knows how to make pizza? Um, YouTube. I, I learned how to make pizza off YouTube. No shit. No and mentors, no outreach, no. No, no, no. I didn't have like a grandmother to have this amazing pizza recipe that I had to bring to the people. No, not at all. Um, we there was so a much time. passion in your story. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> if if anything. Anybody should take away from this story is anyone can do it. All right, <laughs> this does not take any kind of like skill or like family recipe or anything. Like all you have to do is like get an idea and start working. And like put your head down. Don't like think about the, the current economic climate. Like oh, it's not a good time to start a business. Nope. Put your head down. Work your ass off. That's it. Once you get going and sort of you know you guys started in a shack. When did you make the decision to transfer to a larger space? <laughs> we or only started start in a shack a because hut was taken. Because the hut was taken. Yeah, Pizza Hut was taken. We couldn't take. We couldn't do that. So we had to like. And I'm assuming Shack is too. We just didn't. So what? I don't want to not call the Shack a brick and mortar, but yeah. you then went to food trucks. It was. So the reason we got a food truck is because we didn't actually want. We didn't have anywhere else to go, and I was like, "What if we take this to festivals?" Like, I wanted to do uh, uh, Comfest, right? So right. I was like, "Why don't we get a tr like a truck or something?" We had no idea that food trucks were like a thing at this time. This was 2009. Food trucks weren't a thing in if, Columbus. If you served food, yeah, if you served food out of a truck, it was generally tacos, and you were around 270. There was no like food trucks in Columbus for the most part. Uh, we didn't know that there was a food truck thing going on, or that there would be. We just wanted something that we could drive to Comfest. So we found this food truck, and I, <laughs> I didn't have enough money to, uh, this is six months after we opened in the short north down here. Um, my buddy had a lot of money at the time, and I was like, hey, what do you think about giving me some of that money to buy this food truck? And I've proven I can make pizza. <laughs> yeah, there is occasionally lines over here. It's pizza, busy bar district, easy stuff. So he was like, yeah, man. And uh, hence my partner, Bryce, he got involved in the business and he is and the one that keeps the business together at this and point. And now you're stuck with him. And now I'm stuck with him. So just to recap, the shack and then literally, what, six months, six weeks? Yep, it was uh, July and then November, we bought the, uh, the first truck. Okay, and at that time, Columbus wasn't even licensing food trucks. Oh, it was the Wild West. Oh man, it was great. It was lawless. It was, you could do anything. If anybody remembers, if anybody used to and go out on I'm Park sorry, Street, you're not being facetious by it was great because you, it was great. Could, you it was, could do whatever you, you wanted. You could do whatever you want. It was absolutely, you could be as cavalier as you wanted to. I used to go down to the Greek church. You know, you know the Greek church down the road? Yeah. And they had a line that separated their driveway from their sidewalk. And I used to park right on the inside of their driveway. And they'd be like, you can't park here. And I'd be like, the city said I can. And the city would come out and be like, you can't park here. And they'd be like, the Greek church said I can. It was totally lawless. I got away with that shit for probably eight months. And so the Park Parking Street, down there. So the Park Street District. <laughs> Before they talked. And they were like, I told them this. And they were like, I told them that. They're like, all right, he's on it. That, that, was, that, was, that was just like in the beginning. And I have follow-up questions to regulations because I know some of the stuff that you've gone through recently. But why then go to brick and mortar? Uh, stability, total stability. Okay. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Owning a food truck, owning a food truck sucks. Uh, anybody that owns a food truck will tell you owning a food truck sucks. Like, there's never been anybody who's like, I love owning a food truck. A food truck is a very easy and awesome way to get into the food, the, like the food business, but it's terrible. It's like owning a restaurant, right? So you, you get to own a restaurant and you have all the same problems of owning a restaurant. You have like equipment breakdowns, you have staff uh, issues, you have everything else. And then you have all the problems with a 20-year-old car. So... And you have nowhere to house it, generally. So it, it's like it's, you have all these things going down. There is probably not one of you hasn't seen a late-night-sized truck broken down on the side of the expressway at some point in time over the last eight years because <laughs> we have missed so many events just being broken down. Well, and at this point, how many food trucks do you own? I have uh, three. Uh, excuse me, two. We just sold our third one. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're downsizing on the food truck thing. Do you think you're getting out of the business? Uh, no, not getting out of the food truck business, but it is becoming more of a promotional arm as opposed to a you know an actual profit center. I see. And so, but when you moved into brick and mortar, you had to raise capital, right? Not or did really. You not. No, 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 no. Like Lido's when we opened up up there, right behind Lido's, that was totally bootstrapped. And when we opened up at Woodlands Tavern, totally bootstrapped. I, Everything we did up until Oddfellows. But those are, those are places where you're negotiating with a bar owner who Ex already exactly. has it. You're subleasing a exactly, space. Exactly, exactly. Low cost, low risk. So it's fair to say that it's the, it's the steps, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm, for lack of a better term, I'm subletting a garage to a food truck, which is I bought a car, to, hey, can I borrow the closet that you're not using in, in the back of a bar? What was the biggest transfer of sort of, holy shit, we're doing this now. I, I don't know if that was the story of us or Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> I was living in my car, serving pizza, down by the river. What was the big step? The big step was Oddfellas, for sure. Okay. That, that was when we actually took out money. Up until two or three years ago, like, Late Night Slice was 100% bootstrapped. Uh, we just, you know, every dollar we'd make, we'd go into something else. Um, but yeah, Oddfellas was... You know, that space we had there, I knew I wanted to do something with it. Uh, it was a total passion project, and we had to take out some money to build that place. And then it was kind of like, all right, we learned how to take out money. We learned how to borrow money to open a business. That's one good thing about everything we've done is, like, we've never, you know, nobody, no, nobody in our organization comes from any kind of really legitimate experience with anything. So, I mean, <laughs> other than it costing us incredible amounts of money and time, Huge things. Uh, we've done everything, you know, just by tripping, stumbling, falling, and crawling. How so. have you set up the processes that you have? This is such a good question. Uh, it's it's it started with uh, all of our our team members, our employees, right? So we used to have team members that taught us so much throughout this process. We called it uh, the Kevin. We called it the Lindsay uh, process, where we literally we had to coach these guys so much on what to do. It was like, step one, open door. Step two, turn on light. And that's where we had to document every one of these processes because it was like, we'd get a call at like midnight. It'd be like, Mike, something's wrong. The oven just turned off. It'd be like, all right, Kevin, what's wrong? Is it plugged in? Hold on, let me check. Okay, it wasn't plugged in. Something <laughs> happened. It's plugged in now and it's working. All right, Kevin, thanks a lot. Thank you Have so a good much night. for your call. All right, it's Tuesday. Good night. Uh, so yeah, every one of our processes came from employees that we just had to deal with, you know, and it was, it was such a valuable experience to have to deal with just like 
documenting every little thing that we did from like literally open door, turn on light. Well, and I think you're talking about a lot, sort of the value of starting small, of having those, because it's not a failure then. No. But it's a failure if you say, hey, I'm going to open three stores, and I'm, you know, yeah. frankly, I there's look at a lot, at of, a lot of places in the short north, and there are, there's money behind it, certainly, totally. but, and a branding effort, but not a whole lot of goodwill for them or uh, a whole lot of proving out their concept. Yeah. Because they're just starting, and that's the virtue of starting in a shack. And that's, that's, that's such a huge point, and you're so right. And I think what the point there was, was some people just expect to open up in, say, a busy bar area like the Short North, and they think that it's automatically going to be awesome. And I think you've seen a couple of uh, ventures, restaurants, businesses that just they go under rather quickly because they don't understand that this area is incredibly particular. It really is. We just don't, you know, when a, when when a I'm really having a hard time not saying names here. When a particular business opens up in the short north, you know, everybody thinks like, "Oh, I'm going to open up in the short north. It's just going to be, you know, automatically raking in money." And it it just isn't that way. It's 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 really a very particular neighborhood, and you have to be very authentic. Um, and that's 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 hard for people because. A lot of times they think the food is the first thing they do or the, the, the product that they serve is the first thing, and it really is the last. Like for us, pizza is absolutely last because when you go to Late Night Slice, the last thing you get when you experience going and standing in line and watching a movie and you know doing whatever else you do in the experience of going to Late Night Slice, the last thing you do is give money and you get pizza, and that's the last thing. You know? and then you Where eat. did that come from? Like how did you get there? Because a lot... Of, Again, a whole lot of people, you were just at the International Pizza Expo a couple of weeks ago in Vegas, yep. and I imagine there were a whole lot of assholes there just <laughs> saying, hey, I'm going to open a pizza shop because I know how to make a great pizza. And l let me just bury the lead here. You, you didn't know how to make pizza when you started this. Sure. How did you make that decision of saying, this is about a brand experience, and, and this is about the experience of the customer? I think it came from, so around my travels in my 20s, I worked at Dick's Last Resort in uh, Myrtle Beach. If you guys have been to North Myrtle Beach, there's a Dick's Last Resort there. I worked there for a few months when I was traveling around. And I, I, I learned there that people love to be, you know, harassed a little bit. They love to be, you know, just, everybody just, loves to just, laugh. Just yeah. Everybody bit. loves to be, you know, as long as you do it with a smile. And I think I took that back. And when Late Night Slice opened, it was like, I want to fuck with people a little bit, you know? I want to make funny hats. We didn't, we did that for like one weekend. It didn't really work out. Um, <clears throat> we, I mean, it was just, you know, we, we had funny signs out there. We had movies on the wall. It was, it was an entire experience. And we realized that, you know, this isn't about the pizza that we make. Because honestly, you can walk out that door and you can walk five minutes in any direction that you choose. And you'll probably run into somebody that has some kind of pizza. All right? Who gives a shit? All right? Everybody makes pizza in this city. What makes us different? And that was what we really focused on is what makes the experience of going to get a late night slice pizza different than anybody else. Because it's not about pizza. It's about the experience that you have when you go to get it. So I think, I think that's what, you know... It, tends to set us apart a little bit in this industry because there are so many places that make pizza. There's something like 350 pizza places within the yep. loop. And that's not different pizza places. That's different brands. You know, like Donato's has something like 60 within this market or something like that. So just as a side note, how do you bring a brand like that that is sort of 
poking people a little bit into like the cafeteria nationwide. That was a that was a fuck up. That was a mistake. Tell me. Totally, that. totally. Okay. Now it was it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fuck up like in. It was a bad decision for you. Uh, it wasn't a bad decision money wise because we didn't like lose anything on it. But what I the reason why we got why we got out of the Chase Center and. The reason we got out of nationwide is because mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't do anything for the experience. You know that wasn't when you just went up to a, a counter and just got a slice and left during your lunch. You didn't experience really almost anything about you know late night slice. It wasn't doing anything for the brand, so we didn't think it fit anymore, and we we pulled out. Can I challenge you a little bit there? Then why start Oddfellows? We pulled out. Sorry, I just you pulled out. I thought, I thought that needed a little. Oh, more. you wanted to make a dick joke. <laughs> So, That's why I'm on stage, Tim. Pizza and dick jokes. So, but <laughs> you talk about the brand a lot and about aligning it. Oddfellows is not that brand. It's, you know, certain... It, you know what? It so is. It okay. so is, though. Oddfellows was, and that was our, on that marquee we have, right when you walk in the door, it said, <laughs> the first thing that I put on that marquee was finally a shitty place to drink in the short north. That is still one of my favorite things. <laughs> and it's, it's not shitty. It's, I mean, like, Oddfellows really isn't like a shitty bar or anything, but that was what we were going for, you know? Like, finally, a dive bar. And it wasn't even a dive bar. I mean, Oddfellows is, is, is uh, the way we... Here's how we classify Oddfellows now. Classy as fuck. <laughs> All right? Oddfellows, that's why, that's why our brunch is named, like, the Classy as Fuck Brunch. Uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of self-deprecating. It's... it's crude, but it's still kind of weirdly classy and kind of like a pedon kind of way, you know? So that's, that's what we're going for in that place. What's next for Late Night Slice? Uh, so if you guys have been down to the 4th Street location, the one next to 16-Bit uh, and Hadley's, uh, we want to do more of those. In fact, I'll choose right here and right now as a time to uh, let you know about the next Late Night Slice, which is going to be in the Yankee Trader building, which is between Bear Burger and Martini uh, on High Street, right across the street from the convention center. Fantastic. So I know we tried to announce this the same time they were announcing the new North Market thing. But oh, 30, 35 stories of fuck. 30, 35 stories beat our pizza shop. So yeah, we'll be putting that, that out next week. Sitting, yeah. yeah, it got buried real quick. Um, but Sorry, yeah, we're taking Jason. over that uh, that space right on High Street, right on the corner, right next to Martini, so I can sit there and stare at Cameron Mitchell out my window. All right, motherfucker. How do you feel about Pizza. it? Pizza. How do I feel about Cameron Mitchell? Yeah, he's awesome. Honestly, I I have so much respect for him. I've seen him talk. I've met him a bunch. Like he he he's 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 doing great shit. I I absolutely love the way he's built his companies around here. I think he has great concepts. Um, I, I, Cameron Mitchell gets thumbs up from me. Absolutely. I, I just want to make sure you couldn't say I stare at him out my window and despise him. And oh, then, no, no, and no, no. That not. was just like, I'm next to you now, man. All right. <laughs> Why do you stay in Columbus? Why do I stay in Columbus? All right. Columbus, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier. Columbus has always been a town that brings me back. All right. Columbus has so much potential in it. It has, there has never been, I think, a better time nor a better place than right here and right now to start a project, all right? And a project is what you do before you start a business, all right? You, before you have an idea or before you want to, like, quit your job and start a business, you have an idea, and that idea you can turn into a hobby. And I think 
you should turn that hobby, if that is working for you, into a side hustle. And if you're making a little bit of scratch off that, you can move that into a business at that point. There has never been a better time nor a better place than Columbus to, to, to do your own thing. Um, it, it keeps bringing me back. Honestly, the, I, I've always said there's, there's really nothing that Columbus is saturated with right now. I will asterisk that, and I think breweries, like if you want to start a brewery, it might be a little bit, a little bit saturated right now. There is, every time I hear somebody want to start a brewery, I'm like, really? Here? We started a pizza shop seven and a half years ago, and uh, recently we were voted number one best traditional pizza by Columbus Alive, and if you don't say anything, uh, we got voted number one best traditional pizza in Columbus by 614 Columbest, which I, I don't think that comes out for another couple days, but don't tell anybody. Uh, so it, it just goes to show you that if you have an idea that you can go into the most saturated point in that market, and if you just listen to people and have fun and be yourself and have personality, that you can, you can, you can, you can rise to in this town. People want authentic stories. People want... So, here's what I say. When you get off the plane, or, or when, you, when you pick somebody up, when you pick some, like a friend up that has never been to Columbus, and you're at the airport, and you're like, all right, I gotta take you to, to this place, this place, and this place. Be one of those places, you know? Be a Thurman's, be a Jenny's. I hope Late Night Slice is on that list, you know? You know, be one of those like iconic places that you have to take your friend to that's never been to Columbus. Um, well, there, there's, there's hardly anything that is saturated in that market yet. There is so much room for people to have their own ideas. Right and I now. think that you were certainly a testament to it. Mikey, thank you so much. Please give him a round of applause. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite pizza proprietor. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Thank you.